Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to find freedom from the shame and pressure of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode with Lynn Wilder and Joel Grote as they and their guests share personal stories and wisdom from the Bible that just might surprise you. We invite you to experience a grace that heals. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another Unveiling Grace podcast. So delighted you're with us. Um, I've got, again, with me this episode, um, special guest, Mike Wilder. Mike is Lynn Wilder's husband, my co-host, and Lynn um, isn't available at the present. And so Mike has graciously stepped in, which is very appropriate because what we're wrapping up today with this episode is their uh, the series Lynn and I started back several weeks ago. You'll have to go back in previous podcast episodes if you want to go ahead and uh, find that. But the seven reasons why Lynn and Mike decided to leave Mormonism as a system. And so uh, in the past episode, we covered less um, reason seven, and we had a few more points that Mike wanted to hit on and some of the biblical scriptures that touch on this idea that the LDS church claims to be the only true church and that they claim to have a living prophet today who has the authority and the church has the authority to even excommunicate people and make it so they are unable to enter into eternal life in the presence of Heavenly Father based on decisions they make. So, Mike, welcome back to the podcast. I'm delighted to have you with me. So, yeah, let's jump into this and then we'll conclude this episode by just doing a quick review of those what those seven reasons were that you and Lynn, um, why you left, since I've got her take on most of them, but not yours. So it'll be interesting to get your take on some of these. Well, it's great to be back with you. And again, I apologize for anybody who hopes to hear Lynn. Uh, she's much wiser and smarter and more of a scholar than I am. But I'm kind of a down in the trenches type of person when it comes to to fighting for Jesus. You know, <laughs> I may not be as polished, uh, but uh, anyway. Um, but uh, it's 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 interesting. As we finish up here, we we wrote the book back in 2012 um, about seven reasons uh, we left Mormonism. As many more. Uh, but these are the same seven main reasons. And the last one we've been talking about, the LDS Church, the organization claims that they're the only true church upon the face of the earth in whom God is well pleased. And yeah. that's a big statement to, to make. And that is. That's it, a really bold, a, audacious it, statement. And so so when when Mormons say, well, you know, we're Christians just like you, well, that's not true. You know, you are the lesser Christians. We're we're the only Christians that really belong to the only true church upon the face of the earth, and whom God is well pleased. You're in a Methodist church, and God's not very pleased with your church, but He's more pleased with our church. That's right. what they're saying. And, right. And for an LDS person to say we're a Christian just like you, the Christian response should be, "Well, actually, no, you're not, because nobody in my Christian circle, and no pastor, and no denomination that I know would." ever dare to make that affirmation of being the only true church they recognize the body of christ as something much right. broader we're so. the only true body <laughs> you know yeah. in, in the church <laughs> you know my my son when he he's he's out giving his testimony he always made this statement and i always loved it um he always stated this when he's speaking he says it's not about the name that's above the door of the church it's always about the name that's above all names, and that's Jesus Christ. And yeah. what he's saying in that statement is it's not the organization, it's not the Baptist church 
or a Gateway Baptist Church or Fellowship Baptist Church or Methodist Church or Grace Lutheran Church that saves you. It's great organizations, you know, wonderful people. It's only through Jesus Christ that saves you in your belief in him. And it's not the pastor. It's not the congregation. It's not the four walls of the building. It's not going into a particular place that saves you. And, you know, Mormons, you know, to, to Mormons, it's their doctrine states. Now, Mormons individually may believe other things, but their doctrine states it's the organization that saves you. Yes. You know, yeah. it's that piece of paper that temple recommend being endowed in a temple that, you know, really saves you because, you know, it. Mormonism, a lot of people don't realize it, believes in general salvation. Have you ever heard that term? Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Very okay. much. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. And so, Bruce McConkey in his Mormon in his yeah. epic work, Mormon Doctrine, talked about those right. two general salvations. salvations all the time. And what that means is that through the atonement of Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection, all mankind were saved to at least one of those three kingdoms. Right. You we know, all get resurrected the, to a body. We all get to go somewhere that's better right, than this. Right, <laughs> right, right. And yeah. so nobody really goes to a hell. Okay. Uh, at that point, you have to work your way to get to hell. <laughs> right. Uh, 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 like me. Uh, so, uh, but, uh, but, but that's, that's different, you know, to think of the organization. So as we were talking on last time, it's that organization that can excommunicate you. But when they excommunicate you, it's not just removing you from membership of that organization, which they have a right to do. They right. can't Absolutely. do that. Yes. But they can't turn around and say, you've lost your salvation. You cannot live. All the blessings of being able to live with Heavenly Father is gone. You know, yeah. that uh, your, baptism your baptism has been canceled. Can you imagine Jesus saying to somebody, well, your baptism has been canceled. It doesn't really count anymore. Uh, but in Mormonism, that's the way it works. So, right. Uh, so, um, so I think you wanted to jump back into, we were talking about Hebrews 1, 1, um, and the fact that there was this prophetic era, Hebrews 1, 1 says that, um, I'm going to pull it back up here because I've got it long ago. And at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by prophets. That was the Old Testament era. Yes. But in yes. these last days, he's spoken to us now by his son. So we now have a leveled up means of revelation from God to us. We have God incarnate, who's now going to come and reveal who he is and what he wants, which makes now prophetic revelation very inferior. I mean, it was great. It was all that people had then. But with this new revelation, we've now entered into an era where God himself has come on the scene, showed us how he is, what he wants, um, spoken, taught, left that word to his disciples who then disseminated it. And so it's fascinating. Um, and I'd I want your take on this and how this impacted you when you recognized this as you were leaving the LDS church, that the Mormon church is actually pushing people back to an inferior revelatory system by putting them back under some kind of human prophet rather than having them be open to the revelation of Jesus Christ and his spirit. Yes. It's um, what Mormonism has done is they've reinstituted the old law. They removed grace and reinstated the old Testament, basically temples. Yeah. Prophets. True. Yep. You know, following, you know, you, 
you know, we you, we make a covenant. Now, we it, when we went to the temple, this is quite interesting to think, you know, do we stand up in church and say, well, I follow all the Ten Commandments? Well, we know we cannot. <laughs> yeah. We know it's, it's an impossibility to follow the Ten Commandments. It sounds simple, but when you go to the Mormon temple, you make covenants that you will follow the Ten Commandments. That you make okay. covenants, you will follow all the commandments and doctrine and covenants, and, wow. and anything in the Book of Mormon. In other words, you're a covenant people in that you covenant before God, angels, and these witnesses that you will not break these. Now that's a dangerous thing to say. God can make a covenant with us, and He will keep it. Right, and we will, tr you know, and we will say, okay, we'll do our best, but we can't make a covenant back to God and says. I'm going to do exactly what you have said because we will break it every time. Right. We make those covenants in a temple. We put ourselves in condemnation in the temple. A lot of people don't realize that. We, we mock God. You know. You know. I mean, what, what? You know, one of the first verses in the Ten Commandments. You know, you should not make any graven images of God. Right. Exactly. Yes. And in the Mormon temple, what do they have? They have a film showing God in person speaking to you, an image of God, a graven image of God. Does wow. that sound right? Okay. You, you know, yeah. words, no, it doesn't. You, you, you break that one immediately, but yeah. you say you keep it. Okay. Right. Um, so you then know, as you as you come to faith in Christ, as you start reading and understanding the Bible, how does this impact you and your thinking um, and you and Lynn? Why does this become such a significant reason that it's number seven? Like you say, there's there could be dozens of reasons why, but you chose this one to conclude with. What went on within your spirit as you recognized how far the LDS Church had strayed from the biblical witness on prophets? Once you once you come under grace, and once you understand the Word of God. And once you understand what he did on the cross, it wasn't just die. Okay. Right. He gave yes. everything, you know, he, he atoned, he bled, you know, he did all the things under the Jewish law that they did with lambs to a degree that he fulfilled perfectly on the cross. And in Mormonism, you, you, you don't really appreciate what Jesus did on the cross. You okay. don't appreciate the concept of grace. Mormons will use, well, you Christians believe in cheap grace. Yes, and I've anytime had, I've you've had probably heard that, that before. Me. And that's to me, that's fighting words. When a, a Mormon says that to me, my <laughs> gloves come off. And okay. I said, Are you telling me that what Jesus Christ, our Savior, did on the cross was cheap? You know, I start yeah. really coming down on them and says, You have now mocked God. You have said that that's not important. His grace is not important. You know, that your works will override his grace. You, that's not good. So as we're coming out and as I'm reading the scriptures and I'm reading verses like Hebrews 1 and, and 2, you know, uh, again, I'm going to read it here in King James because this is the way I re read it originally. It says, God, who at sundry times and in diverse, diverse manners, spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets. So, yeah. you know, the prophets received revelation from God, okay? Yeah, And Absolutely. they directed mankind. 
But now it says, but in these last days, which means the days of Jesus, he has now spoken unto his son. And that replaces everything else. Okay. Um, to whom it was pointed at us all time. So, so, so Jesus replaces all the, the prophets. Jesus fulfills the law. Mormons don't see that. They do not comprehend that Jesus fulfilled the law. Yeah. So when you start reading this and you read like Luke 16 and 16, you know, um, for the law and the prophets were until John, John the Baptist. Yes. They were fulfilled in John. Okay. I mean, in Christ at that time, he was the last prophet. He did his job. Then there's no need for other prophets. So in Mormonism, we have prophets today that can speak or could say, he says, thus saith the Lord, Lord, you know, thus, this is what God wants us to do. And there's, they're saying that is like current revelation. We can add that onto the Bible because this is additional revelation. And you realize that they don't speak for God. The last so-called revelation, actually revelation, and it really was just a, an update on doctrine, was when bl blacks were allowed to receive the priesthood back in 1978. We've had a lot of prophets from 1978 until now. Yeah, and there's quite a few. No new, new scriptures given to us, revelations put in to the Mormon scriptures. My same scriptures I bought back in 1983 is exactly the same ones they use today. So we said, well, what do we need a prophet for? Well, <laughs> it's an organization. It's an organization of men to direct, to, to, to put their will over men into control. It's yeah. all about control. And, th and that's, that's not correct. You know, yeah. we need to have freedom in Christ, not freedom to sin, as Paul would state, but freedom in Christ and accept his grace and be able to go to the foot of the cross and say, hey, there's nothing I can do. You've done it all. There's nothing that I can add on to what you have done for me on the cross. Yeah. Okay. And Mormons don't see it that way. They feel they have to add on to what Jesus did. Now, it's really interesting. We're talking about the law. Okay. The law was given to mankind to show their weaknesses. And to show how they cannot accomplish things. Paul spoke at that about that greatly in Galatians, you know, chapter two and three. You know, it it was our schoolmaster, as it says in King James. Yeah. And here that he's saying that verse, you know, it, it's a, he, the law was to bring us to Christ. And once we come into Christ, there is no need for the schoolmaster. Right. For now we are under grace and not under the law. And that really actually brings me back around to where I wanted to get to, which is um, this really important recap of the seven reasons with the time we have left. But you were talking about the fact that we have the Bible, and you mentioned actually in the previous podcast, um, we didn't have time to go into it a lot, but you made reference to the fact that the, um, the Book of Mormon actually attacks the Bible, says it's not reliable. And so um, what I'd like to do is just quickly go through now these your seven reasons why you and Lynn left Mormonism. And the first one is the Bible not being reliable. So that information by the Mormon church was a deal breaker to you. Um, why Why was that? And we'll move through these fairly well, quickly here in the time we have left. But well, I want to, I heard from Lynn, so I'm really interested to hear your perspective. You know, once I remember when I was being instructed by the Mormon missionaries, and, uh, you know, having been raised so-called Baptist, um, I, I believed in the Bible. 
And I remember when we were having a discussion with the Mormon missionaries before we joined, I held the Bible up in the Book of Mormon. I said, now these are equal, right? And it says, uh, you know, you believe in the in the Bible the same as you do the, the Book of Mormon. He says, yes, they were equal. It never implied that the Bible was corrupted or not reliable. Uh, yeah. Okay? They did so not bring that out. <laughs> they did not bring that out. Now, after you, you join, you become like the frog in hot water. We've all heard that concept mm -hmm. before. Yeah. And and um, you get cooked. <laughs> Slowly, they start replacing the reliability of the Bible to it's not really so reliable. It's in, in a way, it's actually corrupted. And yeah. we had to replace it with Doctrine and Covenant, which is pure revelation given from God to Joseph Smith. And we had to replace it with also the Book of Mormon. And that the, you know, then they come up with that article of faith. We believe in the Bible as far as it's translated correctly. And we also believe in the Book of Mormon to be the word of God, no qualifier. And yeah. so from that point on, you start realizing you don't, rely on the bible and all the years we were in the lds church there was always calls read the book of mormon read the ah. book of mormon with your family family home evening we're going to read the book of mormon every night for a year we're going to do this always about the book of mormon but never ever call to read the bible we're going to this year we're going to read and study the new testament we we did that in Sunday school, but there was never a call from the prophet. See, yeah. that's the big thing. Or okay. from the major leaders. Okay, yeah. that's that one. So, okay. so first reason you left Mormonism, the Mormon church claimed the Bible wasn't reliable. And what you and Lynn discovered is no, the Bible is, is absolutely reliable. Is reliable. So, so number two you can't have you can't have them both. Okay. Yeah. So number two was God needs ongoing prophets to give his ever-changing message. And your response to that was no. His word in the Bible is truth and it's sufficient. We don't need this ongoing prophet who actually, when you look at the history of Mormonism, they've tended to just make things messier with contrasting, oh. contradicting revelations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, just like just here recently, the LDS Church put out a memo. It's not so-called revelation, but it's it's called, uh, uh, you know, the procedures, I guess. Yes. That uh, they they recognize uh, and they do not think it's wrong for a man to get married to a man or a woman to get married to a woman. And I see even in the coming years that they will allow that to happen in a temple. They keep okay. changing. Fascinating. Okay? Yeah. And a good example was like the blacks, I, I talk, you know, who could not receive the priesthood. That right. meant they couldn't go to the temple and by... 1970 before 1978 they could not go to heaven yeah you know yeah. because they couldn't receive all the glory they would be servants in heavens as one of the prophets said but they wouldn't be they wouldn't have glory and power so so their their doctrine has always been changing okay yeah the core beliefs are still the same but they change on the outside to kind of morph into current times yeah and that actually ties into your reason three, because your reason three, so they have changing scriptures and revelations that aren't the same, but their reason, your reason three is what the Mormon church teaches is that God is eternally progressing and man can earn Godhood. So God himself is, is in a process of change. God himself has right. not reached any absolute state of supreme being or knowledge because he continues to progress. Yeah. 
Whereas in the Bible, the God we discover there is no, we have a God who's omniscient. He's known everything from eternity past. We have a God who has never changed in his nature or character. He's always been God. And man, as a finite being, could never achieve the status of being an infinite God like God. And so um, the Bible just so refutes that whole, yeah that whole concept of the nature of who God is. And um, and it's why Christians will sometimes say, well, you've got a different God. You, you You, have a different, you have a right, you have a right to say that because, you know, God, the father and the concept of the Trinity, the father, the son, and the Holy spirit, co-equal, co-eternal always existed. You know, you, they've always been, Okay, yeah. not adding to, not taking away, but in Mormonism, it actually taught, you know, and and Joseph Smith actually came out the the King Paulette discourse, you know, stated that you know God was once God the Father was once a man like me, who now progressed and became a God. Yes, and you know Jesus the same thing. Jesus has was not always a God; he yeah. became a God. Okay, and so. Uh, where we believe there is one God, and in that one God, we have three persons yes. that are co-eternal, co-equal. Mormonism believe they are three separate gods. God the Father is a God, Jesus Christ is a God, and the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost is a God. And they're all progressing, and we can be behind them. We can never catch them, but we can, theoretically, I could become a God with the same status as God the Father that has today eventually yeah and that's not biblical right and that actually leads right into your reason number four because if you have gods who have to progress who have to earn basically their status that means that my eternal life if i'm lds or yours as or any lds person has to follow that same pattern so therefore there's no way that god's grace is enough for eternal life it requires our works and again this is something that goes directly against the clear repeated teaching of scripture that no, we could never earn or live up to the perfection that God requires. If, yeah. if grace and eternal life and forgiveness, if that's not a gift, none of us have any hope of ever receiving it. Yeah. Yeah. We cannot do enough. We're incapable. Okay. Um, uh, and it was, it was just like the old story where man is in a pit and Jesus puts a ladder down into the pit and man can crawl out to, to, to meet Jesus. No, that's the Mormon yeah. <laughs> Jesus, the Christian yeah. Jesus. He jumped down in the pit, picked me up with my broken legs, my broken arms, my broken, everything lifted me up and carried me out of that pit. And I could do nothing for myself. Right. That's the which, difference. which brings right us to the number five, because you and Lynn's reason number five for why you left Mormonism was this very idea of works and the fact that the Mormon church says that temple works are required for exaltation for eternal life, that faith isn't enough. And what you came to discover in the Bible was, no, it's this faith in Jesus, the one who goes down into the pit and brings us out when we could right. never get ourselves out. That's what justifies us. Yeah. We're declared righteous by this faith in this Jesus who provides all of our salvation. Right. And right. That to me is fascinating because it ties right into your reason number six, which is that 
marriage is eternal. So one of those works that you have to do in the temple, according to the LDS faith, is become married so you can, as husband and wife, make this progression together upwards. And once again, Jesus has now become... I mean, they're going to say he's necessary. He has to open the door for it to happen. But, but he, he Jesus has, is not enough. Yeah, he's not yeah. sufficient. You have to pull this off. And going through those really helps me understand why then you ended with number seven, that the LDS church, the one we've been talking about, the LDS church is the one true church. With all of these anti-biblical, all of these things that actually contradict the clear teaching of scripture, there is no way the LDS church can be any kind of true church, let alone the absolutely right. one true church. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, you look at each one, you know, it, it rejects number four, grace. It, re it rejects grace. Now, Mormons will say, oh, no, no, I go to the temple because I want to. Well, you may, well, that's fine. Right. But can you <laughs> say, can you be, I always ask them, I said, can you live in, you never ask a person, are they uh, Mormon if they're saved or if I'm saved, you say, right. Can I live in the presence of Heavenly Father without having a temple endowment? Yeah. And, and they if they're honest, say, the answer is absolutely no. 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 Well, no. Mike, um, wow, this podcast has gone blazingly fast. Thank you so much. Um, fascinating. Thank you for writing the book. And again, um, we'll make sure that people um, have access. They can, through the website, they can request your book. They can write directly to Lynn or write directly to you through the contacting we have there. And they could request a copy of the seven reasons why you and Len left Mormonism. So, yeah. Mike, it's been great. Thank you so much well, for your you time. Thank you for your wisdom, your knowledge. It was a lot of fun. So, uh, well, thanks good. so much. And we'll be in touch with you later. And uh, uh, we'll get ready for Christmas now or whatever. Fantastic. So, yeah. All right. Well, well thank you. as Lynn would say, grace and peace. So long. Thanks so much for listening to the Unveiling Grace podcast. You can find show notes and leave us your comments and questions at unveilinggracepodcast.com. We would love to hear how the podcast has helped you. We are so grateful for you, our listeners, and the donations that keep us on the air. To say thank you, we are offering a free gift with a donation of any amount. Just go to unveilinggracepodcast.com and click on the free gift button to get yours. Thanks for joining us on the Unveiling Grace podcast, where you can experience a grace that heals.